0: Just think about what would happen if we all did something. We don't all have to do all things, but if we would do something, think about the way that we could impact our community and our world. It doesn't take big things. It takes small things. There are lots of big-time heroes that we know about. And then, uh, as I'm going to show you later on in the message of a gentleman from 9-11, he talks about how multiple people in his life did things that we don't even know their names, but they did things that had a huge impact. Part of being a part of a faith community or a church, it is my job as your pastor to provide pathways For you with our amazing staff So that you can do something And so today after worship It's a very different kind of day And if you're worshiping with us online We have a document that we can send you With all the various ways that you can serve So we'd love for you to send us an email At info at headingwest.org And the other thing we would like for you to do Is we want you When you leave worship If you're worshiping in person To grab a bingo card I told you last week we are not above robbery And that is true this week as well we want you to grab a bingo card and then all of the various areas and ministries of west they're located today in the commons area if you've thought you know i'm a little curious about the pig out food truck our pig out food truck leaders are there our uganda people are there everything saturday serve days ding dong ditch our ministry serving teams hospitality because look god has given each of us gifts We're all created uniquely and beautifully in the image of God, and we are not created just so we can sit and stay in our comfort zones and not use our talents to make a difference. And so this morning, we are going to look at how an unlikely person used her gifts to make a difference, and it it changed the world. We can unite together and do small things so that we can impact big change. That's what this church is about. Do you know that this year, to date, you've served over 7,000 meals on a Sunday morning to people, yeah, oh, to people in our community that are hungry, that those need to continue. The people are getting involved, the people that come to the food truck, they're helping serve. It's, it's a beautiful thing. The back to school bash, it went from being, you know, a couple of hundred kids we thought to now it's its own nonprofit. You have led that. But it takes you. It takes us working together. And so I really want you to grab a bingo card. And actually, if you go to all the little booths and you get your bingo card filled, your name gets in a drawing for the AirPods, the free AirPods that we're giving away, and you get a a prize. You get to spin the prize wheel, mainly because I like to have fun. You spin the prize wheel and you get a prize to go home today. So I really want you to take the bingo card and I want you to go meet the various leaders of West. They've given a lot of their time to make today happen. So please, even if you don't volunteer at it, Walk around to the tables and pretend that you're going to, okay? Maybe you'll fall in love with an area of West. Now, I have fallen in love with West. I love you. I love being your pastor, and I take your feedback very, very seriously. That is why... There are crickets probably hopping around on the stage, and I have scoped out to see if they were still up here. Uh, And I I did the dares. I heard you last Sunday. I had three different people say to me, that's just, you know, that's not really cool that you asked people to do it and you didn't do it too. So therefore, I said it to Luann, the rest is history. The other thing was, you questioned my resolve. And it's interesting that the biblical person that we're going to look at today, her name is Rahab she exhibited initiative and resolve and faith my integrity matters you asked if I jumped I don't know how you didn't see the jump because it was on social media and all those things but and we emailed it to you but enough of you said last Sunday I don't think you jumped so here is the video that you asked for When's the last time that someone dared you to do something? I don't mean something that would bring harm to yourself or be detrimental to somebody or something, but just dared you to do something that would move you outside of your comfort zone. Scientific studies show that when we will move outside of our comfort zone and do something for the first time, our brain has to learn to think differently. And once we complete that new thing, we feel new life and new energy. Come and take a jump with me. So the question is, when did you last dare to do something that pushed you out of your comfort zone in a positive way? We all have the opportunity to use our resources, not financially, but the things that we're good at. We're all good at something. We have the opportunity to use those gifts, those resources, to do something and make a difference. The story that I'm going to share with you this morning is about someone that would not have been known to make a difference. In fact, it would have been the exact opposite. If you think about difference makers and you think about what their professions are, we, we tend to have some stereotypes in our minds that we think will you know fit that bill. We think that, you know, people with prestige or education, those kinds of things. Well, this morning, I'm going to tell you about a prostitute and how she made a difference in her community and how her difference was life-changing. Joshua, son of Nun, sent two men into the city as spies, saying, Go view the land, especially Jericho. So they went. They entered the house of a prostitute. Her name was Rahab, and, and they spent the night there. The king of Jericho was told, Some Israelites have come here tonight to search out the land. So then the king of Jericho sent orders to Rahab, Bring out the men who have come to you who entered your house, for they have come only to search out the whole land. But the woman took the two men and she hid them. And then she said, True, the men came to me, but I did not know where they came from. And when it was time to close the gate at dark, the men went out. Where the men went, I do not know. Pursue them quickly. You'll be able to overtake them. She had, however, brought the men up to the roof. She hid them with the stalks of flax that she had laid out. So the men pursued them on the way to Jordan. As far as the fjords, as soon as the pursuers had gone out, the gate was shut. Now before the men went to sleep, she came up to them on the roof and she said to them, I know that the Lord has given you the land. The dread of you has fallen on us and all that inhabits our land. We melt in fear of you. We've heard how the Lord dried up the water out of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt. We've heard what you've did to the other kingdoms that resided in the land beyond the Jordan. You've destroyed those groups of people. As soon as we heard it, our hearts melted and there was no courage left in any of us because of you. The Lord your God is indeed God in heaven. God in heaven above and on earth below. Now then, since I've dealt kindly with you, swear to me by the Lord that you in turn will deal kindly with my people. Give me a sign of good faith that you'll spare my father, my mother, my brothers, and my sisters, and all who belong to them. Deliver our lives from death. The men said to her, our life for yours, if you do not tell this business of ours, we will deal kindly and faithfully you when God gives us the land." So here's this guy named Joshua. He's like the mentee of Moses, and he's getting ready to lead the Israelite armies into the land. But as any good military leader would do, he makes sure that he knows what's getting ready to happen before they go into the land. So he sends two more spies to go into the land to see what... Their opponents are going to look like. So these two men, they go, and and there's a gate before. There's a gate in Jericho before you can get into the city and the land that they were going to inhabit. And they were going to take over. And in this gate, in this huge gate, is Rahab's house. Now, if you study Rahab and you look at at her family, they were impoverished people. So before you go and judge her for being a prostitute, that was her means of earning a living to help her family eat. They were not wealthy by any means. And so here is Rahab. She's doing the best she can, but she would not have been well-received or admired or respected in her society. She would have been considered to be a nobody and trashy because she sold her body to other people to be used for pleasure. So these two men go. Now, these are God-fearing men. They were part of the Israelite camp, and they loved God, and they choose Rahab's house to worship. I think that's an interesting point in the story that we can ponder because I'm sure there were lots of places that they could stay, but it doesn't make a powerful story. They choose the prostitute's house. And so then something happens. They go in and, and can you imagine how Rahab must have felt? Here are the enemy or here is the enemy and they're getting ready to come in and she knows what's coming. She's heard about the Israelite people. She knew that they took out other total groups of people as they were coming into the land. She knows how bad they are. And here they are wanting her to put them up for the night. Not anything anything inappropriate. They just wanted a place to sleep. Now, in the meantime, she's a part of this other kingdom. And she reveres and respects another kind of king. And so she's faced with a decision to make. Rahab takes initiative. And she goes against what she would have known to be the right thing to do. Because she also had some faith. There must have been something about this Yahweh, this God, that can make a difference in her life. This God who has prepared the way for these people. Maybe she thought, I could be one of those people too. So what she does is she takes the two men, she takes them upstairs in her home, and she hides them on the roof. And then with a very cunning story, she tells the the governmental rulers of her city, hey, look, um, you know, yeah, they did come here, but I knew that that was not the right thing to do, so I, I told them t- that they needed to go, and, and they've already gone, so you need to go try to find them. And then when the gate closed, she went upstairs and she found the men and she said, Hey, look, there's something to this. There's something to this, God. I've spared your lives. Will you spare mine? Because I believe that there's something more. That's really what I'm asking us today and last week and the next few weeks to realize that there's something more. We can think that our lives are all good and that whatever we find ourselves in whatever situation right now it's it's fine and it's good. But as we journey in our lives every day we have the opportunity to move just a little bit closer to the divine to God. The way that we do that Is by becoming a daring person. And daring to do things just a little differently. It doesn't have to be huge leaps. And I've loved reading your stories this week. You've shared with me the way and the staff. You've shared with us the ways that you have taken dares. And how it is changing your life. That you've stepped out of your comfort zone. One of our college kids filled out uh, the dare the D.A.R.E. poll or survey, whatever you want to call it. And she said, you know, I'm I'm having a hard time making friends. She's a freshman at a very large university. I'm having a hard time making friends. So because of this, I decided that I was going to give a student club a try. I took a D.A.R.E. I believe that when we lay ourselves out there, when we make ourselves vulnerable, God is in all things. God will use whatever opportunities we find ourselves in to bring us closer to that divine so that we can experience the beauty and the power of the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven that exists here. It is not just about being out there. It's here for us. But we have to dare to live into it. And it means that we take initiative. If we just sit around and we wait on things to happen to us, we may be sitting around forever. That's why we have the the DARE fair today, the ministry fair. We believe as a staff and leadership that there are ways that you can use the resources that you've been given to make a difference in this community Every time someone steps out of their comfort zone as a part of the West community and they come back to tell me about their their encounter and their experience, they tell me their life is richer because of it. And I believe that to be true. Rahab, she took initiative and then she had resolve. She did it. She was determined. And she relied on her faith. If you are a person of faith, we really are called and challenged to look like Jesus. And Jesus was absolutely the most selfless person, the most loving person ever. And I know you've heard maybe the statement, we will be the only Jesus that some ever see. 9-11 was this week. 18 years, I believe, ago that happened. After it happened, churches were filled for weeks after weeks. People wanted to cling to their faith. People wanted to believe that there was something bigger than us, something bigger than evil, something bigger that would hold it all together. And then, you know what, life started happening again, and things just sort of tapered off. There were people that day that used their gifts, big and small, to make a difference. Some we know their names, some we don't. I I want you to take a look at this video, and as you watch and as you listen, I want you to think about what gifts you have that you can use to make a difference in somebody else's life today.
1: On September 11, 2001, I was assigned with Chief Donald Burns to go to the South Tower and open up the command post there. A woman came over as we were running and grabbed me and said there are people trapped in the elevator over here. And I said, show me. So I followed her. We went over to the elevator and the hoistway doors were open so you could see into the elevator. But the elevator car had only come down to the top so all I could see was the people's feet they were trapped in the elevator. What I didn't know at that time was that elevator had fallen 70 floors because the cable was snapped when the plane came in. So they had just dropped 70 floors. The emergency brakes stopped it, and they were trapped. They were so close to freedom, but they were still trapped. They couldn't get out. The men were trying to pull the car down, but they couldn't. And the reason they were screaming in terror was because the elevator pit right below them was full of jet fuel that was on fire. And they were right above that fire getting cooked. They started bringing the extinguishers. We tried to fight the fire. Hard to put out a jet fuel fire. In my frustration of watching these people get burned in front of me, I turned to my right and my shoulder hit someone. And I turned and looked. It was a firefighter. And I looked up at his face. And it was my friend, Mike Lynch, who I'd worked with in Times Square. Mike put his hand on my shoulder and he said, Timmy, I got it. And what Mike meant by that was that he had the training, the knowledge, the tools, the equipment, and the courage to save those people's lives. He might as well have had angel's wings sprouting out of his back because he was that angel. I left the lobby and went out to Liberty Street. I saw Mike Lynch, the firefighter from the elevator, and he needed help getting tools off his truck to go save those people. So I started running toward him but another firefighter got there first, and he waved me off. And I waved back to Mike. It was the last time I saw Mike alive. Mike went back in to save those people. Months later, they found his body with the jaws of life, with the people that were in that elevator. We know for sure that he saved at least one person because she recounts how the firefighter with the Red Four got her out of the elevator and she lived. Mike was a superhero. We all know the firefighters and police officers were heroes that day. Mayor Giuliani says it was the worst day of his life and the best day of his life. I agree with that. We know why it was the worst day. But it was the best day because we met the worst of humanity with the best of humanity. The firefighters, the police officers that ran up in in those towers. But there were other heroes that day, ordinary people who were not firefighters or police officers who became extraordinary heroes. Civilians. But you don't have to do things that are that dramatic. But you can be an extraordinary hero, by doing simple things. You can make that choice today. You can make that choice tomorrow, every day of your life. You can help the people that need help. You can help the old lady across the street. You can help your neighbor. Don't wait till the last minute, the last hour of your life to do it. Do it now. Be the hero today. Thank you.
0: To experience true joy and true happiness. I really do believe we have to be ordinary heroes. And it has to be less of us and more of God. Rahab was just a common woman. Scorned and not doing a chosen profession In Matthew, when you study the genealogy of Jesus, she's listed. She's one of the few women from the ancient Hebrew scriptures that's repeated, her name's repeated multiple times in the New Testament. She was not what anyone else would have called a hero. It is our tendency to say, that we don't have anything that we could do or use to make a difference. It is also our tendency to let other people do it and say it's all taken care of. That is not the case. There will always be hungry people to feed on Sunday mornings. There will always be kids that need school supplies in the fall when school starts back. There will always be families at Christmas that need love that doesn't come through an angel tree program that comes through anonymity and ding-dong ditch. There are ways that you will find after you leave this sacred place today that you can dare to be different and dare to make a difference and be a hero in someone's life. I dare you to do that with me. Let us pray. Gracious God, you do empower us to use our gifts to make a difference. You don't give us our gifts so that we can use them merely for ourselves. God, will you stir in us, in each of us, in our hearts and our souls, a way that you call us to make a difference in this community and in this world, whether it's through West or or some personal way? God, show us how you want us to take initiative and then give us the resolve. And let us rely on our faith. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So as you leave, I really do want you to grab a bingo card. I really want you to just visit the tables. Just see what West is about. Because it really, if we all will work together, we have the power to bring about change in our community, in our world. I dare you today to also do something that's going to make somebody else's life better. Even if it's not what you want to do, go in peace. Oh, 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 can oh. I hold She's happy. I do it. Ready? We're going to count it down. Three, two, one. Ready? Three, two. Loves you. <laughs> <laughs> you good? <laughs>